Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host, Mike Laidman, and I'm joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a trip. Each and every week we take a movie from our past, and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high praise of classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing, hun? Pretty good, how are you? Hi! Hey. Bringing the high energy to our show there. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, like... I'm not sure. I still feel like I might be sick. Well, don't be sick. Well, I don't want to be sick. I think maybe that man bun's going to your head. You have did this to me. You put me I in like a man it. bun. I like it. Yeah. You're the one who hasn't gotten a haircut in over a year. Yeah, but I haven't gotten a haircut in over a year for many reasons. And those reasons mostly involve COVID-19. Yeah, but at this point, if barbershops were like, come on in tomorrow. Would, would I do it? I don't know. I mean, like... <laughs> they were open for like six months. I know they didn't. were open for six months and I didn't. But that also is because I didn't know what to do with my hair. It's so long now, I think, that you go to a like an actual hairstylist, not a barber. Well, I don't. aren't barbers supposed to be trained to do that? Like no. special barbers now? Like, I feel like now barbers would know what to do with long hair because there's so many like Aquaman looking dudes out there. No, you'd be going to a hairstylist. Maybe I should message... Jason Momoa on Twitter. And oh, be your like, best bro. Be like, dude, I grew long hair because of the quarantine. What do I do with it? You know what? I think you should. <laughs> if he replies, that would be amazing. But like tweet him from the podcast Twitter. From the podcast Twitter. Yeah, so we get some traction. <laughs> but he won't answer a podcast. He's going to answer a dude. Maybe. Then retweet it on our podcast. I don't know. Just make it work. Okay. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. But so, yeah. Yeah. Your hair is long. It is long, and, and like it's it. in a man bun because you put it that way. Yeah, but do you like it? Is it I, nice having it kind of like not in your face? Well, the thing is, that's the thing. You 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 were like, let me make your I hair. Juiced it up a bit. You juiced it up a bit by pulling out little wisps that just tickle my face and really bother me. You could have fixed it. I could have, but I would not be able to get all of this hair back into the man bun. <laughs> you have a lot of hair. Anyway. Yeah. On to our next topic. On to the topic about movies and such. Yeah. Yeah. I'm you excited. ready? I was very excited for this film. When you said that this is what we'd be watching, I was pumped. And the fun thing is, is because it was this movie, and for many other reasons, we bought a lot of pizza. <laughs> this episode is not sponsored by My Pie Pizza no, in Hamilton, but, but it, we, I, we bought a lot of pizza and we ate it for several days straight. We we bought, because I, I didn't want to decide, because the last time we got My Pie Pizza, I got a different flavor and I couldn't decide which one I wanted. Did I want the pepperoni or did I want the chicken bacon ranch? So rather than decide, I bought both. And then that, you were like, well, then I want both. I've no, I was only going to get one. And you said you felt bad if I only got one. So then I was like, fine. And I got two and we're ridiculous. Well, you were like, no, I'm not going to. You were like, I'm not going to say no to that. And yeah, then, pretty much. Yeah. And then we had four pizzas. I did say no like twice. And then fine. I was like, sure. Anyway. Well, it wasn't fair if I had pizza and you didn't. You know what? Pizza. You know, you know what happened before my pie? The what? year 2000. The year 2000. And. Getting back to that, this week we'll be talking about Gone in 60 Seconds, which originally hit theaters back in 2000. I'm going to have to go old school. A day to shop, a day to prep. Surprise attack. Nice. A little trick I learned in the car thief retirement home. By the time the first cars reported stolen, your ship set sail. do 
this, we do it my way. I was just a sucker for a redhead. You break it, you buy it, my friend. <laughs> Okay, let's run. Gone in 60 seconds. In the year 2000. I, I was going to make some sort of like vroom, vroom, beep, beep noise, but no. That joke doesn't make sense yet. No, but just because they're cars. Okay. Vroom, 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 vroom beep, beep. beep. Anyway, anyway, bye, bus. Bye, bye, bus. Okay, well, that listen to my other podcast, part timers, full time dads, <laughs> to make to make sense of that one. Uh, so June two thousand. Let's go back, shall we? Yes. I will tell you right now, it was a pretty boring month. No good. No no Not, murders. Oh, some murders. Oh, some. But overall, like usually, I get four things pretty quickly that are like actually fairly like oh that's pretty interesting like Zodiac killer stuff. Mm-hmm. So on June fifth armed conflict broke out between Rwanda and Uganda. Oh, and it actually erupted in Kinsanagani, which is a city say, in- Say that one, one more time. Kinsangani. 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 I'll which take is a your city word for it. in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So there's three countries Okay, involved. so the war- No, it's an armed conflict. So the armed conflict- Erupts in the Congo- Between- Rwanda and Uganda. So how does the Congo get out of it? I don't know. These are supposed to be short tidbits. Oh, I see. You should do uh, like Speaking a tiniest, of conflict, the tiniest bit of research no. in case there's a follow-up question. No. Speaking of, <laughs> June 13th, South Korean President Kim Dae-jung meets leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-il, for the beginning of the first ever inter-Korea summit in the northern capital of Pyongyang. Oh, that's interesting. What did they talk about? Korea. <laughs> You should do the tiniest bit of research. They talked about case. Korea. I'm um, not wrong. Follow up questions. Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> and then on June 23rd, the bulk ore carrier MV Treasure sinks off the western coast of South Africa, soiling more than 19,000 penguins. This resulted in the world's largest ever rescue of birds from an oiling event. How long did the cleanup attempts happen? Don't like this game. <laughs> There's mostly short little tidbits of Uh, information. Okay. Should we talk about the box office? Well, is that that, that's it? Those are the three. Those are that's all I had. Everything else was either PGA tour or tennis. What happened in the PGA tour? Come on. I don't know. I don't care about golf. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into box office then. Well, this is actually a bit more interesting because the year 2000 has some pretty good movies. Yes. So started off pretty strong. We had memorable movies like The Whole Nine Yards, Aaron Brockovich, Gladiator. And Mission Impossible 2. Uh, in fact, Mission Impossible 2 was the top of the box office before Gone in 60 Seconds stole the top oh, spot with I a like take of 25.3 million. It was quickly beaten by Shaft Jesus the next week. Christ. <laughs> oh my God. It's <laughs> the best I could come up with. <laughs> Do First one more? was better. Do you have any more of that? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that was so bad okay continue i don't even know what you said as soon as you did that quickly it just broke shaft shaft beat it <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you say drive shaft that's another bad car pun 
It was driven out of the box office by Shaft. <laughs> Overall, Gone in 60 Seconds was the 18th highest grossing movie of the year at $101.6 million. The top three for the year were How the Grinch Stole Christmas at $260 million, Cast Away at $233 million, a movie I've never seen, by the way, and Mission Impossible 2 at $215 million. Never seen Cast Away, eh? I've actually never seen a lot of Tom Hanks' best performances. I remember really liking Castaway, but I feel like if we were to do it on the show, it'd be a plain popcorn. Interesting. Maybe one day. Because like it's we, we want to do I love Castaway and shipwrecky type stories. I mean, maybe that's yeah, maybe. I, I always remember that I was very disappointed by the ending. Uh-huh. That's just all I can remember. Oh, well. I mean it's been a we long time. We did the year two thousand, you can't do it again next week. Well, I, I mean, I could. No rule says that I can't. You should. But anyway, I, I probably won't. I already I've you- already picked my my next movie and it's not in the year 2000 so what what are your feelings my feelings on your memories my memories of gone in 60 seconds of this movie this was i didn't see this in theaters this was a dvd movie for me same and it was a movie that i watched with a friend of mine brought it over Mm -hmm. he brought over the dvd because we had like our my first dvd player was a playstation 2 fair and we would just hang out in the basement and watch DVDs on the PlayStation 2 when we hung out. And one of the movies that got played a lot was this movie because it was a cool movie with cars in it and cool music and like Angelina Jolie being sexy, which my opinion has changed on Angelina Jolie's sexiness in this movie. Oh, mine didn't. <laughs> I I seem to remember... I. She looked a little dirty in the movie. I'll say. I think that was part of the point. Well, yeah, but that it didn't. That doesn't do it that for was, me anymore. That was like your late nineties, early two thousands appeal of Angelina Jolie. I like, suppose she was making out with her brother at the Oscars. She was marrying Billy Bob. She was talking about playing with knives during sex. She was wearing vials of blood around her neck. This was like peak Angelina Jolie sexy because like it had this like late nineties like what the fuck were we doing in the late nineties vibe. I don't know. I saw five minutes of Gia, and that's the only part of that movie I needed to see. It's a good movie, though. Again, in the early 2000s, you know, I'm in like grade 10. I saw only five minutes of Gia. I saw the part of Gia I needed to see. It's a good movie. Anyway. (laughs) But yeah, so like this was a movie that we watched a lot. So I remember the movie itself Mm -hmm. very well. Like I remember the plot perfectly. Like where it went, how it started, where it all went mm-hmm. through, just whether or not that that was going to be portrayed in an entertaining way mm. currently. That's why that's why I wanted to watch this movie, because I, I remember it very well. Like, I remember the, the you know, that it was his brother and, and the you know, that they had to get all the cars and all the cars were named after ladies. Mm-hmm. And I remembered the song, the Moby song that plays over the opening credits of this movie. Like, yeah. I, I remember this movie very well. So that's why I was excited to do it because I remember it being silly and I remember it being fun, but I wanted to see if it was something that was going to hold up over, over the time. So, and that's the whole point of the podcast. Exactly. Well, similar memory. So, you know, this, but obviously the audience does not know this. I was raised by a petrol head. Yes. My father is really big into cars. He's really, really into Mustangs. My father has owned three Mustangs. It's his favorite vehicle, but now he's really into trucks, which is like, what? Yeah. Well, whatever. Why are men in, why have they switched to trucks? What happened to sports cars? Sports cars are still pretty cool. I find like, 
dudes who are like trying to show off like midlife crisis and stuff, they're getting trucks instead of like Corvettes. And I don't get it because it's like, why would you get a truck over a freaking car? Like anyway, but anyway, so I was raised by someone who is very into cars and I quite enjoy cars myself. And we rented this movie from the local video store. And this is also peak like Nick Cage was cool time. So it was like, I'm pretty sure we rented it, but we might have seen it in theaters. I don't remember 100%, but either way, I definitely saw it pretty quickly after it came out. But like it was Nick Cage and Fast Cars. And it was like, well, we're watching this. And I was like, well, duh. And like you, I remember so much of the movie. I remember like the Lowrider song and I've still got her face painted. I like the cult song. Yeah, yeah. Angelina Jolie being like super sexy. And I know you're like, she's kind of dirty and whatever. I'm kind of into it. (laughs) Um, But she's, you know, it's one of those things that I kind of, and like just a little tangent. One of the things she's gotten a lot of flack for in the last five, ten years is that she's super skinny. And she was like this curvy, bodacious lady for like Tomb Raider. She was very skinny in this, too. Like this is so the skinniness of now is not entirely different than what she looked like in this movie. So anyway, but I remember it very clearly. I remember the cars. I remember, you know, that like the unicorn, as it were, it was Eleanor, the Shelby, because like that was also that was my dad's dream car like he would have loved to have that car your dad's mustang that he had when i met him had the same paint job yeah he got it custom the one he got the last because <laughs> my dad bought a used mustang when i was in high school his first because he wanted one since forever since they were a thing and he bought a mustang a yellow bright yellow mustang gt when i was in high school and it was uh, a few years old at the time it wasn't new and then when my sister started driving he sold that no when i started driving either way it doesn't really matter it got sold and then he bought a newer but not brand new mustang that wasn't a gt but was more suited to all year driving he was a little disappointed with that and my mom promised him at the time that when he retired he could buy whatever car he wanted and she wouldn't complain and wouldn't you know it the next year the factory like he wasn't he worked at steel mill steel mill where he worked did a buyout on anyone who was salary with over 30 years experience so he retired and it was a year later and my mother was furious because he <laughs> went out and bought a brand new mustang gt and got it all tricked out she was so mad that's when he got the finally the, the, yeah the fancy plate. yeah so that's the when vanity he got, plate he got a vanity plate he got the stripes put on it he got the the vent wings on the back like on the, the back windows like he he tricked it out and yeah so i still can't believe that he sold it same he sold it so he could buy my sister a car she's obviously the favorite obviously <laughs> Yeah, they bought her a friggin' Fusion, and now he drives a big truck. So yeah. it's like, whatever. So anyway, my memories of this movie are also quite clear. And it also, that's the thing, because this movie's 20 years old now. Does this movie feel 20 years old to me? Not, Which is weird, because The Mummy feels 20 years old to me. Mm-hmm. Gone in 60 Seconds feels like 8 years old to me. And time is weird. Time is weird. You know where, where the movie felt old to me in? is when they were looking at the current day cars like yeah. like anytime like 
when you think about fast cars and stuff, there's always people who are like, oh, what about the, you know, the 1980 Ferrari or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So that stuff is timeless. But when they're going through the list of cars and one of them is a 1999 Bentley and I looked it up because we, we were talking about this before we actually started watching the movie. The cars are all named after women. And one of the cars, of course, is named Laura. Yeah. And we looked it up and it was like a 1999 Bentley. Azure. A Bentley Azure. And... And it's just this ugly, boxy-looking convertible. Yeah, I was so... And I remember when I, That's another thing. So I remember watching this movie, and then they... Because it shows us very short clip of the car, Laura. Yeah. And I'm like, that car is bullshit. <laughs> I should be an Aston Martin. Let's be real. Of but they're course. not... That's one of the things that I, I kind of forgot a little, I guess, is not every vehicle is like a sporty supercar. Yeah. Like, there's like... One of the ones they steal is like a Cadillac Escalade. Yeah, as a Cadillac Escalade. Which but, I, but I think in 2000, those were like the hot new SUV star kind of car where like someone like Chris Jenner, you know, that sort of like woman in the neighborhood, she was driving it and everybody else was stuck with a Ford Explorer, you know? Well, that's the thing that's funny too is like when I think of Cadillac Escalades, I think of like rappers, you know, like yeah. driving around on their Cadillac es- Escalades. But Escalades aren't cool anymore. Oh, well, no. But but when they were popular, that's what it was, yeah. right? But they steal one from like suburban housewife and in like a gated community, yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I and mean, obviously that would be a lot easier to steal than a, from like a rapper or something. Yeah. But but they, they have all these and like some of them are classic cars and some of them are... Uh, just SUVs, but they're not, they're all expensive cars. But even then, a Cadillac Escalade would not be that expensive. It's like, wow, these people. And I wonder who they're selling these cars to. They said, yeah, they don't really talk too much about it. Like, obviously, the that's not the important thing, right? Like, the the bad guy who he, because he even kind of says that. He's like, it doesn't matter who I'm selling it to. The matter is. Yeah, because the writer was like, I don't know. Now they just be like, they're going to Dubai. Yeah. Because let's be real, that's where they'd be going. Is Probably, Dubai. yeah. Because have you seen Dubai? Everyone there has like a Bugatti, right? It's ridiculous. Remember that scene in Fast and the Furious when the guy drives from one building to another? <laughs> yeah, yes. that movie's so great. Yeah, we'll talk about that in. 17 yeah, we're gonna years. talk about Fast and the Furious in this. That's for sure. At some point. Uh, so the first person in this movie, because I remembered most of the cast. I remember Giovanni Rubinzi. I remembered, obviously, Nick Cage and Angelina and Robert Duvall. Like, I remembered so many of the people in this movie. I forgot Timothy Oliphant was in it. I forgot Timothy Oliphant was in it, and I forgot that Vinnie Jones was in it. Yes, I forgot Vinnie Jones, too. But when he showed up, I remembered him. Is exact exactly like his name showed up in the in the credits, and I'm like, oh, right, Vinnie Jones is in this, yeah. and he's the guy who doesn't talk. But he's not mute. He just chooses, he just not, chooses to not to talk. Yeah. But the first thing I actually wrote down is Timothy Oliphant has gotten so much sexier as he got older. Like, it's not fair. Some men especially get so much more attractive as they get older. It's so weird. Like, Timothy Oliphant, very attractive young man. Mm-hmm. As he's gotten older, like, especially, which is so funny because it's like, you tell where I am at in like my age and responsibility and stuff but in santa clarita diet he's just this really caring husband and father and he's just like so sexy at it and i was like because him being this great husband and father who will do anything to keep his family safe but not in a like i got guns i'm gonna keep my family safe but he's like no i'm gonna work hard and make sure my wife is okay and you know keep in check with my daughter and make sure she's emotionally handling this i'm like Ooh, so sexy. Ooh, girl. 
want to touch the hyena. <laughs> so anyway, and then the next thing I, I kind of, this I forgot, but it's not really a, it's not even a forget thing. It's just something I've realized watching it now versus then is that Nicolas Cage and Giovanni Rubinsi, whoever cast them as brothers, genius. Because mm-hmm. they're both, I think this was before everyone knew Nick Cage was a weirdo. Yeah. And like, but Giovanni Rubinsi's always had that weirdo-ish squirreliness to him yeah, as this, well. This might have been on the cusp of Nicolas Cage weirdness. Yeah. It was right as he was starting to get like, Oh, he's not like this is post Con Air, post The Rock, so he's got some weirdness. Like he's people... got he's got some action chops under his belt, and so, and and face off. So he's got some weird. No, this is post or pre face off. I'm pretty sure it's post. This is post face off. Yeah. yeah, but like this is where he starts, and then after this, it starts to be like Nick Cage is still on the Declaration of Independence now. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but like the two of them as brothers is such. Such good casting, and I can I can tell you right now I I don't remember this, but I'm pretty sure I would have had the same reaction in the year 2000. Every time I see Giovanni Rubinsi, I'm just like, oh, remember when he was in the X Files with Jack Black? Yes, that was a good episode. I feel like we he plays a good creep. I know he was a very good creep in that episode. I feel like we could just go through a lot of actors back histories and you just be like, Oh, X files. hundred percent. Because anytime any actor who's we've Wait. talked about on this show has been on the X files, you bring them up about being on the X files at some point. Wait till we get to a Ryan Reynolds movie. <laughs> I can tell you about the 10 seconds he's in the X files. <laughs> I'm sure you will. He's got such a chubby little baby face. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. I actually wrote down, both so weird. <laughs> Both so weird. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So the movie starts out. The the brother. Yes. Screws up a robbery. He's just like, what was his plan here? He just literally breaks into the Porsche dealer and tries to steal a Porsche. And like, how is this not going to go terribly wrong? But the thing is, is he gets away with that. He gets caught by the police because he's trying to impress a girl at a red light. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. Well, they, the cops are already looking for him. Yeah, but they don't start chasing him until he, like, has a drag race with that guy. Well, to be fair, they probably already would have caught up to him. They were on the lookout for him. I he just, guess. Either way. Either way, the chase so begins because he's, he, an idiot. he's trying this to whip out. This whole plan makes no sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Even his buddies that are with him are like, what are you doing? So, obviously, Nick Cage, who's now retired and teaching kids how to drive go-karts see i wrote this down this movie has a lot of like this happens and this is shorthand for this happens and for what i wrote down for this is you can tell that nicholas cage is a good man because he deals with kids that's the shorthand it's a it's a way for you to know that nicholas cage saves the, it saves the cat it saves the cat it's because you know that nicholas cage is a good dude because he spends time with children yeah. He teaches children. You see? So he's, he's, and then also later on, Giovanni Ravisi, you can tell that he's a good guy now because he shaved his dirtbag beard. Oh. That's how you know that he's a good guy now is because he doesn't have his dirtbag beard anymore. So, yeah. So they have to go to him to be like, look, you got to save your brother. And his brother's about to be killed by Dr. Who. <laughs> yes, he is about to be. You know what the funny thing was? Didn't I, realize. I, I I saw his name in the credits, and I went, "Oh wow!" 
and I thought of a different Doctor Who. No, I saw his name in the credits and I was like, is there another actor with that same name? Not thinking it was actually it was, Doctor it Who. It was Doctor Who, yeah. No, because it's Christopher Eccleston. And, yeah. and I thought that it was a completely different Doctor Who, not the Which one. Which one did you think it was? Oh, what one was it? Not David Tennant. No. Matt Smith? No, because no, maybe I wasn't thinking he was Doctor Who, but I recognized the name and I went, oh, it's that guy. And it wasn't that guy. No, it was well, Doctor way, Who. You were wrong. Yeah. But oh. yeah, he has to save his brother by stealing the same cars over again. Yeah, because which... he's got a, There's a time limit because the, the the evil gangster who who carves wood. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I enjoyed. Okay, I got to bring he this up. He carves wood to the extent where he is obsessed over the pieces he has finished like they are his children. The, the thing I loved about him, they call him the carpenter. That's his bad guy name is the carpenter. I feel like they gave him that name just so there could be that one scene where he was like, yeah, I'm really good with my hands. Look at this coffin I made that your brother's going to go. In. Yeah, 100 percent. That like, is like he couldn't have just bought the coffin. Like logistically, how much work did that dude put into just for that one? Like, I'm going to put your brother in it. Like, yeah, And he did not make that coffin. It didn't look anything like the other things he made. He clearly like. In my head here, I can th- only thing I can think of is that dude made that coffin like four years ago, and and he's just like, <laughs> oh, I made this for your brother because he's like, oh, I just got this lying around, and every time anybody does something wrong, I just like, oh, I made this for you, and he just whips the thing off, and they're like, oh, he made me a coffin, like that's his, that's like his one gangster move that he's yeah. got. He's like, oh, I made this, like he has to dust it off before everybody comes over, so that like. No one knows that he's got this stupid coffin lying in the back. Yeah. So, well, of course, Nick Cage is like, fine. I'll just, or is Memphis? Memphis. Well, he, his name jumps around. He, like Memphis his is, Memphis like, his, is his, nickname. his nickname. Yeah. So he's like, okay, fine. I'll get back in the biz. And he's like, okay, I'll get the old crew together. And like, he's going like person to person. It's all like, oh, what their like straight jobs are, whether like, the one guy is, is he's like a DMV inspector. Like, he goes on the cars and like, was judge yeah well he's the um, licensor license instructor no he's not an instructor he's, right. he's the one who's doing he's, the test he's a tester yeah but like the person driving the car he's testing who does a terrible job is an asian woman it is such an obvious stereotype i'm like no no this is bad because at least in the fast and the furious they have han and he's a great driver <laughs> he's not necessarily like the third one though so I'm just saying right. for that series, like, uh-huh. and look at Tokyo Drift. So that's one point. Fast and the Furious has overgone in 60 seconds. Is that they're it's it's nicer, it's less to, racist, less racist towards Asians. Asian drivers. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is huh, this is exceptionally racist towards Asian drivers. Like, let's be real. I mean, it's such it's a stereotype. More, it's, this, it's not so much that it's it's more the Asian woman driver. True, but still. Racist and misogynist. Right, right. That's actually worse. Did you enjoy when it, co- it did a nice callback to later on when when he's in the yes and she's got she's failing the written test again yes and he's like oh don't look at me yeah that was a good callback joke though but yeah and then like these meet like Angelina and it's the first time that she's seen and she's all like hot and blonde which I mean Angelina shouldn't do blonde but like she's still hot and like I miss crazy Angelina. That was all right in the time was crazy Angelina. She was just so fun. Again, it was the it was the late nineties, early two thousands. Like that was that was cool. That was like the that was 
that times manic pixie dream girl but there wasn't like it wasn't manic pixie that was like manic heroin dirty dirty manic troll dream girl (laughs) slightly dirty maybe dirty janky dream girl Yeah, yeah maybe also yeah and then there's another when they're doing the like checking things out and everything someone drops an f-bomb and not the fuck bomb and i was just like just disc 2000 yeah no no yeah we don't say that word in a movie anymore yeah no i i it's you know what's crazy too like seeing these things because like it's been 20 years like to hear that and see that and everything it is quite jarring i think the most jarring it has ever been of that f-bomb being dropped in a film is when we were watching the monster squad which is a yeah g-rated a- children's film and they drop it like 20 times yeah it was kind of like uh. <laughs> every time it was like "Ooh, i don't feel good about this this is supposed to be like a fun teen horror film a fun yeah there's like goonies with dracula in yeah it. and then it's like <laughs> yeah. every time feeling bad about that yep anyway anyway but yeah and so most of the movie is them one Getting the crew back together. And then two, trying to track down all these cars and do like kind of the setup. Because they have to they have to steal them all in one night. Yeah, because or else the cops will be on to them. The co- the, everything will be too hot. Hot. <laughs> yes. Because like the cops will know that there's like, they're like, oh, Memphis was so good. That-. But that's the thing. Like the cops run into Memphis. He is a wanted car thief. Everyone knows he's a car thief. And- they don't just arrest him. They're like, okay, bye, Memphis. Well, here's the thing. I actually wrote this down too, because the the main cop, not because there's Timothy Oliphant, he's the partner. The other police officer is played by Delroy Lindo, and I wrote this down in my notes. They got a real Doug Judy relationship going for all the Doug Judy relationship. We're yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna get you, car thief. But we're kind of good friends, right? And I, I kind of felt the same way. And I was gonna, of course, we couldn't not bring up the Pontiac Bandit. I felt the same way. It's like. Oh, it's my nemesis, but I got to make sure he's okay. Yeah, like like because he, he looks after him, you know, like yeah. like they both look after each other throughout the movie, despite the fact that they're like, oh, I'm going to get you or like, you'll never catch me. Yeah, <laughs> like it's do cops actually have this sort of relationship with like repeat felons. <laughs> no, like a friend of mine. Works, I mean, maybe a friend of mine works in a correctional facility and she doesn't tell any sort of details or anything like that like nothing confidential but she'll she'll say stuff that's like yeah there's this there's a couple because she works at a youth one for like people like 14 to 20 and she's like there, there's some people in there that she's like you know they're they're charming and they're funny and you're just like if someone had not led them down a bad path or they'd have a better childhood they'd probably be very successful because they are so charming and easy to get along with but then you find out they stabbed their girlfriend Okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, they're actually, or they, they held up a liquor store or something like, but she has this good jovial relationship with these kids. But at the same time, if they step out of line, she's got to beat them. Well, no, I was going to say discipline, like take away privileges, put them in their cell, you know, not beatings, but they, they do have to do like, they're trained for like restraint. I was kind of joking. But you were like, no. But that's it. But they have these like jovial, where they actually, she does care about these people a yeah. lot. So maybe it's a bit realistic. Maybe. I mean, that's the thing. Like you got, you want to, if you want to hope that there's good in people, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he works with kids. You know, he's good. 
This is true. This is true. But you feel like so the the detective Roland Castleback, like he's he's kind of buddies with all of them too. He's kind of buddies with all of them, but I feel like he's got this relationship where he's like, I need to catch them so ironclad they can't slip through my fingers again. And in that pursuit, has gotten to know them and gotten to kind of have this jovial, caring relationship about them. But like at the end of the day, the moment he actually sees Memphis Reigns steal a car, he's going to be like, all right, on that. Yeah. But then he still gets away at the end of the movie, even though it's like, yeah, I see you driving that stolen car. We are chasing you while you're driving a stolen car. Well, and when it comes down to it, he, he finds out the reasoning. I mean, sh- I, I mean, in real life, I guarantee the, they would still prosecute him. And he would just get a lesser sentence because of other reasons. But maybe. Well, I mean, like extenuating. He saves the life of a police officer from almost being killed. True. Like, I mean, he the reason he was doing crimes again. I mean, obviously they they could just throw his old crimes. To at be him, fair, they're non-violent crimes. It's true. But no one is it's hurt. Super Grand Theft Auto. Oh, a hundred percent. Some of these cars are very expensive. Yes. Yeah. So and then, like, there there's obviously like these little like pitfalls along the way. Like one of the the new kids, because like Giovanni's team works with the old. Yeah, guard. they're like, we want to be. This is you know. We could do it too. Yeah. Well, they well first they're, they're like, well, we want to do it because you know money. But then later on, they're like, uh, oh, we'll do it because um, you know cool. his life is on the line, kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I thought was really funny too is the entire group. It's like two hundred thousand dollars for the <laughs> entire group, and I'm like, I, I know inflation is a thing, but was was two hundred thousand dollars that much money back in like two thousand? I don't think so. Well, and I feel like it. it, it it was a lot of money, and I I guess whoever he's selling these cars to, it's like, obviously, it's a lot cheaper to get them this way than it would be to just buy them outright. So right. maybe I guess that's why they're stealing them. Uh, yeah. No, so they have these, like, little, like, happy little accidents along the way. Like, one of their, the new guy steals just this random car. He's like, look, I could steal a car, too. And it turns out it had the keys in it. It was full of heroin. Yeah. And then that's when the cops show up. Or, like one of the things that they do to get these Mercedes, cause it's like, Oh, they're laser cut keys and they need to be this specific key. Cause the cars are unstealable. Yeah. Well, this big Mastiff eats the keys and like three of these guys are like following the dog around while waiting for it to have a poop to get the keys back from this giant dog. And who shows up? But Michael Pina. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. But like, so it's all these like little, like, uh Oh, this happened. Uh Oh, this happened. Like just to kind of like, Throw some wrenches into the Throw works. some comedic wrenches in things. Yeah. It's never like bad until it's bad and the kid gets shot. Yeah. That's like the only like. It's like. And that oh, one comes out of nowhere too. Well, and it's funny because it's when they're in suburbia. Yeah. It's when they're stealing the Escalade. But the thing is with suburbia is because they get lost in suburbia. They're lost in suburban hell, as they say. Yes. But that is intentional. Well, suburban, yeah. Layouts. Yeah. It is intentional to make thieves or outsiders get lost so that if they are trying to escape from a theft or something, they're more likely to get caught because they get lost and turned around and can't get back out of the survey. Or what do they call them? The states? We call them surveys here, but that's not what they're called elsewhere. Like that's a very like Southern Ontario term for them, like subdivisions or suburbs. They they call them suburb. Maybe it's like um, I think it's subdivision. It might be subdivision. But we call them surveys here. Yeah, that's not a widespread term. That's like Southern Ontario. Oh, really? People mm. could correct us though, because I have heard that is a very Southern Ontario thing. Makes sense. I mean, I've been calling them surveys my whole life. So yep. they're just a survey. So there you go. Hmm. More you know to our American listeners. There you go. 
We got weird names for things. Now you can come here and fit in slightly. Move to a survey. Man, I said I would never live in a survey, and now we're looking at houses and surveys, and like, what happened there? Yeah, we got old. That's what happened. You know what? I don't mind it. I don't mind it one bit. Something I didn't mind revisiting that was old was the music in this movie. (laughs) I I have a tidbit about the music in this movie, and I don't know if I should share it now or later. You ahead with the music, and then I'll share the tidbit. Okay, I feel oh, you're gonna make me feel sad about this. So <laughs> maybe this this movie it was it's early two thousands. There's a ton of bands that I was listening to at the time in this movie. So mm-hmm. just to go off, I, I pulled up the soundtrack and I grabbed some of the the songs that are in the movie. But some of the early two thousands bands that I was like excited for, like obviously you know there's the Cult and there's some uh, you know like Ice Cube is in it and yeah, stuff like Moby. that. Well, the bands that I was big on was in fact. Moby and Apollo 440 and BT. I don't know Apollo 440 or BT. You don't know Apollo 440. You would know their biggest hit, which is Can't Stop the Rock. Can't Stop the Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that song. That song is in this movie. Uh, Groove Armada. Uh, Oh, I know Groove Armada. Citizen King. Citizen King was the I've Seen Better Days, if you remember that bit. It plays during the montage when they're trying to get the, the band back together. I love that song. They're a one-hit wonder, really. A but lot of these bands are, let's be real. Uh, maybe. Uh, Jane's Addiction. Jane's Addiction's cool. Chemical Brothers, Crystal Method. Okay, those are cool. One thing I thought that was very surprising was- DMX. DMX is on the soundtrack. This is true. The Crystal Method song that's in the movie is one of their most popular songs, but it's not on the soundtrack. Interesting. It's in the movie, though. It's the song that plays when they're at the beginning when the police show up and they're running away and they're trying to like- get out of the the place where they've stolen all the cars mm-hmm. and they smash the black light bulb. That's where busy child plays. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I love this song. And then like, it's not on the soundtrack. And yeah, I was like, but I remember this being in there and I Googled it and sure enough, yeah, it's in there, but it's not on the soundtrack for whatever reason. What terrible thing are you going to tell me about the soundtrack now? One of the awards that this movie has won. Is it worse soundtrack? <laughs> is most intrusive musical score. <laughs> most intrusive. Okay. Yeah. Is there more detail about that? I love that you're always looking for more detail, and I'm like super like. I looked. Ah. Up, I looked up the, the the surface level fact of this, and that's it. Okay. Was it Lowrider? Because there's a scene in the no, movie. No, it's the whole movie... set, musical score. Okay, because there's a oh the score. Is it the score or the soundtrack? Because I'm talking about like all the license. I think music. that counts though. Let's let's see let's see. Uh... Because, like, Nicolas Cage stopping the movie dead to demand that we all listen to Lowrider for the first <laughs> stand. Of the, is it because of the Chemical Brothers song or the, the Crystal Method song? So the, the movies that it won against in that category, uh-huh. one, are Gone in 60 Seconds. Well, it beat itself. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Oh, God. Disney's The Kid, Dungeons and Dragons, and The Perfect Storm. I just don't get what that means. What, what award? Like you said, the name of the award. Who gave it? Is it a Razzie or is it one of the the Poop Stinkers awards? Bad Movie Awards, that which was the thing anymore. that isn't yeah. isn't a thing anymore. But I remember you brought that up on I think it was Twister. You brought up the Stinkers Bad Movie. Yeah, awards. they they have, are defunct, but they have some good winners here. Wow! In that year, the worst anima- achievement in animation was won by Digimon the movie. Digimon the movie. There you go. That's a fancy t- title if there ever was one. Yeah. Well, I don't know what they're talking about because I think the soundtrack is great. At least the 
all of the licensed music because I don't remember any of the other music in the movie, like the song that plays over the car chases and stuff. But the rest of it, I, I quite enjoyed. Nice. I was toe tapping. Yeah, like I, I was shocked when I saw that. I feel like that's a a victim of its time. But looking back now, we're kind of like, oh, I remember like nostalgia has like soften the blow of the soundtrack almost you know what i mean like it's like oh i like it though i like i liked this soundtrack at the time because these these were the bands i was listening to it was great yeah no i was on board with it too i liked it i remember lowrider had it having a big uh, revival after this movie like everybody was listening to it after I mean, it makes movie. sense it's a great song and they they showcase it in the film in I, a very creative and funny way i remember downloading it on napster it's probably where I got most of the music from this soundtrack was off of Napster. Although I did have some of these CDs. I do have the Apollo 440 CD that has Stop the Rock on it. Can't Stop the Rock on it. Why? Because I really liked Apollo 440. They have a whole bunch of other songs that are good as well. Like Time is Running Out, which is in it's in another movie where there's like a big showcase. It's a set piece scene to that song. I'm trying to remember what movie it was, though. It's another, obviously, it's another early 2000s film, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's time is running out. Number one, time is running out. It's anyway. like, it's like, it's like a heist movie, I think. So after all the setup and everything else, we finally get to what everybody paid to see. Yes. Is the big car chase. Yes. Because like all these car movies always have to end with a big car chase. Like that's just how it works. Yeah. Like you can't have a car movie without a big car chase at the end. And that's one of the things that Fast and Furious does different is that there's just car chases all throughout them. But like, at least this one has like a big car chase at the end. Like well, there's a car chase in the beginning as well. Yeah, but it's very, it's not it's to the not, same degree this is, as this, is this a one. Really good car chase. It's a really good car chase. Like, so it's Nick Cage in the Mustang. Yes. And the cops are after him and he has to get back to the dock before 8am. Yes. And he so doesn't have the, the time to the do it. The ticking clock. And we learn he well, we we've been told and told that Memphis is a great driver, but then we get to see him be a great driver and he's driving this thing backwards down narrow streets and he's dodging cars and cops and construction equipment and people and cabbage trucks and you know, yeah, hmm? and going off jumps, going off jumps like he's wrecking this poor car like he jumps a bridge. Yes, he jumps. He jumps on a bridge. Like off of a the back of like a dump truck or something. Yeah. Well, it's on the bridge is under construction. Yes. So he jumps the open span of the bridge in the car. Like he he just goes because he's trying to save his brother, right? So it's just like he has to get there by eight a.m. and it's impossible. All these cars, like cops, are chasing him and like trying to like corner him, and he's able to maneuver this car and avoid hitting this, that, and everyone. And it's awesome yeah it's a fantastic like, this purchase. scene is worth the price of admission the thing that really bothers me though about, uh, about uh, the car chase uh, oh. is when the, they finish the car chase and he gets there and they're like you're too late they just destroy the car well the car was pretty right it to wasn't that bad it, it, they could have fixed hun, it the the chassis on that thing would have been so out of shape like the suspension shot, like that car was a write-off. They were destroying it to destroy the evidence that had ever been there. Well, obviously, yes, but but like no, they they'd wreck that car beyond repair. Like you'd have to completely rebuild so much of it. 
Would you like to know some fun facts about that car that I looked up? Yes. Um, none of, because there were seven cars that they used to make that scene. Makes sense. None of them are actual Shelby's. Oh. Not, well, they were. Some of them were, but they were not the Shelby that they were supposed to be. So, okay. they, like, they basically, so none of them were the, the I think it was a 69 Shelby, 69 mm-hmm. or 67, but none of them were a 60. The only real Shelby in the entire movie, the one that they're like talking about, is the one from the end of the movie. Interesting. The one where he's like, where his brother buys him one to be, to restore. That is the only real one. In the movie, interesting, and and the owner of it would not let them fix it up. They were like, "We want it for the movie," and he's like, "Well, you're gonna have to leave it out how it is." And they're like, "Well, we can like we we don't want it to be perfect, but we want to clean it up a little bit." And he's like, "No, it's got to stay exactly as it is." Mm. Of the stunt cars that were used in the movies, all of them except two were destroyed. Oh yeah, one I knew was, so many were wrecked. Yeah, one of them was given to the director. Mm. who refuses to drive it because it's such a nice car. And the other was given to Nicolas Cage, who drives it everywhere. Oh, interesting. Yes, he's a big fan. I mean, he might not have it anymore because it's been a while. And who knows when that fact that I read was written. But like he he learned, like he went to driving school and learned how to do a lot of, a lot of the driving stunts in the final scene are done by Nick Cage. Well, to be fair though, this movie did win a stunt award. In the year 2001, the Taurus Award for Best Driving, and it was driven by Chuck Pisserni Jr. and Eddie Yancic. So, I mean, Nick Cage did some of it, but let's be real here. The real stunt drivers did most of it. Well, I'm sure they did the crazy jumps and stuff, but he did some of the other stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, like, because these are like the coordinators and the drivers, right? So, yeah, there was one, somebody else went to the driving school for this movie, too. Angelina? No. You see your driver motorcycle, and like, that's it. Mm. Mm. Anyway. So, yeah. So, he went to driving school for, for the movie, to uh, So, he could do some of the stunts. Obviously, not the important ones that earned awards, but. <laughs> Eddie Yancic was also the stunt coordinator on Spider-Man Far From Home, mm. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, he was a stunt performer, Triple X Return of Xander Cage, and Cinderella Story. He was also Nick Cage's stunt double in Kick-Ass, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, Ghost Rider, Next, The Wicker Man, oh. The Weatherman, Lord of War pretty sure he's just Nick Cage's stuntman. It's quite possible that he's Nick he Cage's stuntman. He kind of has a Nick Cage look to him. So yeah. yeah, so that's just Nick Cage's stuntman. There, there you go. go. There you you go. learn something every Now you day. know who Nick Cage's stunt double is. So it was perfect to, to listen to this episode. If there's one thing you can take away, it's that Nick Cage's stunt double is named... You didn't remember? No, I don't remember. Oh, that's Eddie Yancek. <laughs> Eddie so anyway, <laughs> um, so he misses the deadline. His brother's going to get crushed in a car. Or just killed in general. Well, killed in general. And like they're going to kill him. And thankfully, the cop shows up. But the cop almost dies. And Nick Cage shaves, say, shaves the he cop. He shaves the cop. My goodness. He saves the cop. And, at and they the end become of the day, best friends. They, they're all best friends. And at the end of the day, what are we left with but a good old-fashioned 
Toretto family barbecue. <laughs> no kidding, right? I was like, are <laughs> you serious? This is how every Fast and the Furious movie ends. If somebody had said something about family, it would have just been perfect. Or if if the cop had shown up to the barbecue too. Yeah, like what they need is a sequel where the, the cops are now stealing cars with them and then they're fighting a Russian sub. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was like, th- this is how this movie, this is how all those movies end. And then reading into it, we, we discovered that Timothy Oliphant was originally offered the role of Dominic Toretto. Yes. And he turned it down because it was too similar to this movie. Yeah. Which is like probably why they offered it to him. But it's just like, I don't think we'd have nine, ten. Well, we're at nine. We're at nine. Fast nine. Yeah. Fast nine isn't out. No. Because of COVID. Yes. COVID casualties. I mean, do you count the video game? He's in that. Timothy Oliphant? No. uh, Oh. Vin Diesel. Okay, but like, could you? Um, we wouldn't have all these sequels if it was Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> Probably not. No, because <laughs> as much as like I love Timothy Oliphant, those movies are a hundred percent made by Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, like for, <laughs> Toretto, Forget Toretto, Toretto, Toretto. <laughs> yeah, and so, but it's just like one of those things where I was like, so whoever did Fast and the Furious watched this was like, beat, beat, beat. Beat Timothy Oliphant barbecue done. <laughs> I I guess so. Maybe. I mean, they it was about car thieves and not like Fast and the Furious is about people stealing like DVDs and stuff. Not car. It thieves, was fast cars. They had they had to switch it up a little bit. They had to switch it up a little bit because it couldn't be the same thing over again because Fair. then they get sued. And there, no, there's no undercover cop in this movie. True. So there's another big difference for you. This is true, but they're friends with the cops. He, no one falls in love with Nicolas Cage's sister. But Nicolas Cage falls in love with Angelina Jolie. They also all have like a really weird moment of they all basically just sitting at sitting at the family barbecue, just like let's all have sex with her. Like like th- there's just this one moment where they're all just kind of sitting in a circle talking about like, man, I I I get shot to have to have what that guy's having, you know, like yeah. And it was all, like, if I was Angelina Jolie, I'd feel very uncomfortable. Do you think that 2000 Angelina Jolie felt uncomfortable, though? <sighs> it was her wild years. Okay. She might have, but she very much might not have. I'm, I'm just saying, like, as not even Angelina Jolie, I'm just saying the character. I feel like that person should have been like, mm, this is weird that they're all openly talking about how much they want to screw me. Yeah, yeah. Except Sphinx, who then shows up and says like some poetry, poetry that everyone's like, that guy can talk. Yeah. Also, this movie has, I can't, the Mirror Man, that actor who plays Mirror Man, that guy, like, I feel like that guy Mirror had a career. Man? Mirror Man is the guy with the sunglasses who's just like, he's the Chris Tucker guy. The guy, the black guy that they put with Sphinx the whole time. Yeah. He's just like that guy. He's not anybody important. It's just really funny that that guy is like, if you look at that guy's IMDb credits, he plays like weird characters in movies that, that they're all like weirdly named nicknamed dudes. And I, I can guess that the character he plays in every other movie he's in is the same character he played in this movie, which is basically black guy who just is like, man, I will knock you out like the yeah, whole time. You're right? probably right, honestly. <laughs> but yeah. And then everything is okay and yeah Nick gets the car he gets his car and, and he goes, angelina jolie and they drive off into the sunset to teach kids how to drive go-karts 
Yeah, and he, I guess, still has a ton of money from his car thieving days. Well, that's too. the thing. That's what I wanted to bring this up at the beginning, and I just never was able to work it in. Is Sorry. When, when he's talking to Doctor Who, he basically just shows up and he's like, "Oh, you need money? Here's your money," and he just like hands it to him like it's nothing. Like it was just such a like baller move where he's like, yeah. "I don't need this shit." take my money and give me my brother back and that'll be the end of it. It was such a baller move. And then, you know, he still makes him steal all the cars anyway. anyway. Yeah. But if, if he, if that, if that had worked, then it would probably be a much less interesting movie. It would have been like, man, you know, I paid off that guy. The least you can do is just go home and spend some time with mom. Yeah, for sure. Cause like the mom is like, I hate you. You are a bad influence on your brother. Well, she didn't it's say like, I hate you. She said you need to go away because you're a bad influence on your brother. Well, at the same time, she like, seemed excited to see him when he yeah, showed up. True. But like maybe mom wasn't a good influence since her first kid started thieving cars anyway. Well, I, I got the impression that there was a broken home because dad died. You know, that, that whole thing. Man, imagine the potential both of those boys could have had if, you know. If they had a father figure if in their father life. father figure hadn't left or died. So anyway. Who knows? And then the movie is, everything's wrapped up in a neat little package. It is. So with that in mind, you heard what our thoughts are. Critics in 2000 had different thoughts on this movie. So Laura, why don't you fill us in on some past reviews? Well. This might be the biggest disparity we've seen so far in Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, between <sighs> critics and audience. Mm-hmm. Critically, it has a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch. <laughs> but by audiences, it's at 77. That's quite the difference. I agree. Like that's that's really big. So Richard Corliss from Time magazine says in this film, we learn that it takes 8,000 pounds of pressure to crush a car, but only one screenwriter to pound out such a lame script. <laughs> but Jonathan Rosenbaum, the Chicago reader, said, I found it more pleasurable as a time waster than either Mission Impossible. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. And honestly, because we rewatched the Mission Impossible movies in the last few years, and I feel like the first couple I agree with. The later ones, no, 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 they're fucking great. But the earlier ones, oh meh. Yeah. But Roger Ebert has my favorite review of this movie. Okay. <laughs> this is the kind of movie that ends up playing on the TV set over the bar in a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's gold. That's wonderful. That is a good gold. That is a good review. So as I said, Stinker's Bad Movie Awards, it won for the most intrusive medi- or medical score, musical score. Medical score. I don't know. <laughs> and it also won worst screenplay for a film grossing more than $100 million using Hollywood math, which I don't understand what that means. But And Angelina Jolie was also nominated for worst hairstyle, but she lost to the actress in Battlefield Earth. Wow. Yeah. That's fair. Battlefield Earth had some bad hair. That's a movie we shouldn't watch. No, I don't think we can watch it. I don't think it hits any of our criteria. I don't think we should ever watch it. I don't want to watch it. Me either, but still, hilarious. Mm. So you get to go first on your popcorn rating. Yeah, so it's funny because I, I actually, the the movie, it it's a bit of a slow burn at the start. And I remember, like, as we were watching it, being like, oh, man, this is kind of boring at the beginning. Like, it's, it's, it's fun, but, like, I'm not having a great time, you know? Like, not that I didn't like it. It's just that it was like, I wanted this to be silly off the wall 
kooky banana pants. And it wasn't really like that. And then like halfway through the movie, bam, somebody turns on the kooky banana pants meter (laughs) and this movie becomes a lot of fun. So yes, this is a double butter for me. I agree. Well, I don't agree with you. The first part, there's some exposition, but I'm still entertained because say what you want about Nick Cage. He is definitely engrossing when he's on screen. Yes. I can't be bored watching Nick Cage. So I agree. I give it a double as well. Yeah, that car chase is just so good. Like at the at the end. Oh of the movie. yeah, even if the whole movie was just like them sitting around talking, and then they're like, "You want to get in a car and go chase?" I'm like, okay, like yeah. I'm on board. But no, it is a fun movie. I'd recommend if you enjoy car movies, if you enjoy action movies, if you enjoy Nick Cage movies. It's just it's a lot of fun, and I, I understand critically why critics don't love it because yeah. really the setup of the plot is only there as framework for the cars. Yeah, it's it's there so that you can see fast cars getting stolen. So and I don't around. see why the critics don't understand this. It's like it's not about being like some amazing, you know, critically acclaimed script. It's every single moment of the script is a setup for either Nick Cage being hilariously great angelina jolie being sexy or the cars yeah and i i got what i paid for i I, those are the three things i wanted and i got all three in spades and everybody wins perfect double butter fantastic so there you go go watch it whenever you get a chance because it's fun and we both enjoyed it and i'm happy that we watched it so that will do it for this week's episode of burnt popcorn but next week we will be taking a look at we're going back to 1994 mm-hmm. for Interview with the Vampire. I knew it. I knew it was going to be Interview with the Vampire <gasps> because I looked at your list of movies that you had. Oh, and, you cheated. Well, you had four movies on there from 1994. And I'm like, it's going to be that one. I feel like it's going to be that one because you're like all giddy about it. Well, it wasn't The Crow. which no. I mean, it could that also qualified. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. I'm down with that. I'm curious. Like, I've, I've seen it, but it's been we, a long We haven't time. done, like, a sexy drama sort of movie. No, we definitely haven't done a sexy drama movie, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'm interested. Uh, yeah, I'm into that. Let's watch it. I'm excited. Yeah, so here we go. We're going we're gonna to get into the vampires next week. What? All right, sounds good. Oh, sorry. You started typing. I'm like, what are you doing? We're not done. So. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. Next week, we're going to be talking about Interview with a Vampire. And so, for this week's episode of Burn Popcorn, I am Mike. I'm Laura. And we'll talk to you next time. We'll talk to you again soon. Like you just started typing. Like <laughs> I didn't realize it. You didn't realize it's still going? Like or that it'd be loud enough that we can hear it. That one. Yeah. No, you can hear everything on. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs>